Welcome to the World of Horror Podcast, Season 4, Episode 2. I'm Mom. And I'm Mac. This is the podcast where we share our love of international horror. Fear is universal, but we are not afraid of subtitles. Whoa, hoes! This week, our theme is Home Invasion, and we watched the 2007 French classic Al Interieur slash the inside slash inside the 2008 American classic The Strangers and the 2018 sequel The Strangers Pray at Night. These discussions will include spoilers. You have been warned. Let's move on to our first segment, Mom and Mac Chat. How are you doing, Mac? I'm good, Mom. I'm kind of like, I don't know, sleepy, woozy, like the, I think... I, I have a work sickness. Um, the sickness is you've been at work too many days um, and you need an extended period of relaxation. So I hope that that, well, it will come soon for me because I don't, I only have to work Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday next week. But um, God, I just, whew, I, it, it really is like, there, there's a little bit of like the have and the have nots at my company. Um, I'm obviously a part of the have nots because I, I have the hardest life anyone's ever had um, on this earth. And um, <laughs> <laughs> other teams get to just like take a whole bunch of time off. Um, but my team and we had this whole uh, end of year thing for the company where they like it was like a whole hour long meeting, like talking about everyone's achievements. And um, I don't know, I'm just like a, a grump. And so since the whole meeting wasn't dedicated to me, I was kind of like, what's the point? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we're not going to talk about what I did then. And I mean, really, I do think I have a right to be angry because all these people who the only thing that is different from me is that they're old. Um, and they make more money. But other than that, I think I'm better in every regard. So it was not a fun meeting for me. But it did end with a three-minute painful slideshow of photos from the year set to the tune of She Blinded Me With Science. Mm. And the slideshow was so laggy um, because it was over Zoom. And I was just looking at the leadership team who all had their webcams on who were just watching with like, no, <laughs> nobody said anything removed for three minutes. I recorded it on my phone. I would never, I legally cannot release it, but I kept it for myself. <laughs> and it, it abruptly ends actually on a picture of my arm, like holding up the C packet. And I just like laughed. Cause I was like, it just ends like just <laughs> cuts off. <laughs> I'll have to show it to you in person. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. Um, I watched all of these movies um, kind of <laughs> like all, all together. And uh, it's a weird vibe. Yeah, it's a weird vibe. Um, <laughs> I watched Inside twice in the same week. So I'm just, Oof, uh, just would not recommend. Lot. Yeah. So <laughs> you said over the chat that you didn't think that 
Quinn could take it. And no. I, after finding all these references to other movies, um, she says she wants to see it. But oh, I, I would say if she could watch, well, we'll get into it. But I, I would say she could watch the first part. Okay, but even the, there were things I did not remember about this movie. Now, I did watch it, um, which this is just, I don't know, the passage of time has been crazy to me lately. I watched it, I know, from when Alan and I first started dating, the first apartment he lived in. And it's just crazy. He and I have been dating for over seven years now, which is like so long of a time. So anyway, that was making me feel crazy. But like... (laughs) I did not recall so like I did not recall that the opening sequence was just I don't know 3 minutes of like blood mm-hmm. blood on the and like the French do blood in movies too well one might say um cuz it has little like bits and nasty things in there it's not just like liquid <sighs> disgusting do but you great mean- do you mean over the opening credits? Yeah. Yeah. So it's I had, so gross. I guess we're into it, but I had um, not seen that the first time I watched it, I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and then last night I was like, what the fuck is happening right <laughs> now? What happened to me was like, I did not remember. And I was looking at it like, oh my God. <laughs> like, is that the final scene on the stairs? There's like organs. from the. I think it is. I think it's from mm-hmm. the point of view of the baby. Okay, well, <laughs> let's back up a little bit, Mac. All right. And the, oh, the only other thing I wanted to say in Mom and Mac chat is um, if I don't see you before <gasps> the holidays, um, I hope you have happy ones. Oh, likewise. It doesn't feel like it to me at all. That it's it was happy- like 60 degrees yesterday. Yeah, but even so, I mean, I've seen lights and things that I <laughs> enjoy about the season, but I. It just doesn't feel like it is. So that's a little odd, too. I don't know if that's just a function of this year or what. I don't know, but I I completely agree. Like, um, I have not done any shopping. Uh, My plan is to do a lot of just sentimental gifts this year, um, which people enjoy. So, you know, I'm not saying that's like a bad thing. But yeah, I... I used to, when I was a kid, I just totally had the belief of like, how can anybody dislike Christmas? It's Christmas and it's great. And now I'm an adult and I'm kind of like, no, we could like just not do it. Well, I think that Christmas is for kids. Yes. Or the religious, I guess. Yeah. Or the religious, I guess. And I'm not very religious, but I do like on my walks, I look for Mary's in, in like people's yards and stuff. So that's just like a, yeah. personal scavenger hunt um, <laughs> but uh yeah i mean i'm not that religious that the story doesn't i mean i mean all respect to people for whom it's like a really big deal but it just isn't for me yeah um but yeah and uh, anyway i don't know it just seems weird to be nice to everybody yes like, right that's the thing for me is like very 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 it's like you don't know what's going when i'm going through yeah and it's like just this little piece of time out of the year when people are like everything's great we're happy we love each other <laughs> i love but, giving gifts yay but i'm making my gifts this year and then the other gifts i gave were digital or monetary and i don't know it's like that's fine but it's just 
it's just not doesn't have the same vibe as when you're like buying for a kid or something. So I think I had wanted to by this time this year have a kid in my life, like somebody's friend or so, you know a friend of mine or something who had a kid, but um, I forgot about it, and so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that happen. But I can't think of literally anybody who that would be a good um, thing to happen to them right now. <laughs> No, I think it might have to be one of your friends or mm-hmm. because I don't, sorry, I think it'd be cool if the friend whose name I don't mention had a baby, <laughs> um, but I'm not sure if that's like on her radar, but Mr. C did send me a surprise gift, which was Aww. kind of nice. I say I don't like surprises, but I just don't like bad surprises. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we said we weren't going to do gifts this year because we don't neither of us needs anything really mm-hmm. and then he sent me something so but it's Aww. something for my art stuff that's really so, sweet yeah really sweet so i probably would have bought it for myself but he did instead and that was really nice i had a um i, I don't know like a, a i guess a brief thought experiment into what i guess my life could be like because i was meeting with my boss before um, it was like either last Thursday or last Friday. And um, I just always, here's a pro tip. If you don't really feel like talking about work, just ask your boss how his life is. And then he'll just talk about it for like 15 minutes. So then he asked me what plans I had for Christmas. And I was like, oh, I'll see my my parents at some point. You know, I love them. And he was like asking me, oh yeah, because your parents are divorced. Like, do they both have partners? I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, and their partners, like you have half, you have half siblings. And I was like, no, (laughs) I was like, holy shit. I am so glad that I do not. (laughs) I don't know. Like that's something I never had to go through that some of my divorced friends have of like, not only their parents, meeting like somebody else which to me is totally like whatever now but like having a kid with somebody else i feel like that would be really Mm -hmm. intense um so i was like no 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 and thank god not even that i'm like oh you can't but i don't know i was just like yeah i think both of them were like i'm good i had my kids like i don't want to do that again (laughs) well i don't know if this is tmi but your dad had a vasectomy so i mean it would have been i mean those can be reversed but i I, I, yeah, I think we were like, we're That's good. It. Yeah. We've had the, which is great. You know, best kids we could imagine. So, you know, don't want to chance it. With the you next can't one. Prove upon this. No. So, um, but I did have a dream actually that I was pregnant and I was my own eight. I was, you know, 53. Oh, so, was, yeah. and it was, I was a medical miracle and all this stuff. And it was like a happy thing, but I was also like, I have adult children. Like this is not, <laughs> this, is, this is so weird. So, I mean, I would like to be a grandma just to like, kind of have that, you know, that experience. But, um, I've, I've resigned myself to, um, the fact that that might not happen. That's good. Or my, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, I think your brother uh, would like that for himself, yeah. but um, as far as I know, you know that's not in the process of happening. Which and you is, can forget about that when it comes to me. I know you said that several times. So <laughs> <laughs> I said it to Dad once, and he, I've had to tell him a few times because he legit seems so sad. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, ah, whatever. Well, you don't want a grandkid. Also, maybe you guys could get a dog because, like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to get a dog unless I'm I'm living with someone or living close to someone, you know, with whom I can share the responsibilities because I just don't think it would be fair, and also I just think it would be overwhelming for me to have mm-hmm. a dog all by myself. So. You guys could, though, because you're two people. <laughs> we won't, but. Oh! Nice. <laughs> well, I'm, if I worked from home, totally, 100%, I would get a dog. After, after well, Branwen, number one, Branwen will never die. Number two, if for some reason she had never existed um, and I worked from home, then I think I could get a dog. But since I, you know, I, I would feel so bad. Oh yeah, I I wouldn't do that to Rosie either um at this point because <laughs> she's just really enjoying being the only one mm-hmm, the, the queen, la- the last cat standing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I wouldn't do that to her even though those puppies that my sister has are super Are they really cute? cute? Yeah, I mean they still kind of look like larvae like you said, mm-hmm. but they're kind of, you know, they're grown they're out of cute. it. Yeah. They're like three weeks old now, so and they're she's a pity mix of some kind, so you know, they're they're pityish and yeah, I they're love pities. And the one with the cleft palate had surgery. Um Car- Cardi, they call her Cardi B. Cardi, Cardi B. Yeah. <laughs> her name's Cardinal because they're all they all have do- uh they all have bird names, but um so Card Cardi B had surgery and Libby and I were like what she's like two and a half weeks old yeah geez but they did it and um you know because she wasn't gaining any weight like she was almost half the size of her sibs so anyway they did it she survived the surgery um she survived you know she's she's thriving so go cardi yeah (laughs) anyway I could see why people do those kinds of jobs like taking care of baby animals for the rest of their lives because Mm -hmm. like like I don't feel like I do I do like kids. Like I don't wanna I don't wanna sit here and be like, oh I I'm not one of those people. I think kids deserve the world. It's truly like I do not know if I could be the kind of parent a child would need. And like that's very important to me. But like um but I do love them and I, I am lucky I have uh kids that I can see once a week. Well, not anymore because Survivor ended, but once Survivor comes back, then I'll see our family friends kids and I love them. Um but I was gonna say like those sweet taking care of like little baby animals and how people like will will have the whole litter have like a name that's like has a theme. I don't know. That stuff like really gets to my heart and like really makes me like I get the maternal instinct of like, oh little baby, I want to make sure everything's okay with you and like <laughs> that you yeah. never worry about anything. The lady I got um the there's like a local cat rescue place and when I had Wolfie, I'm trying to remember what her name was before it was Wolfie. Claire? But, yeah, Claire. Mm-hmm. And I tried it. And mm-hmm. I tried Mary Claire. And it just wasn't happening. Um, so anyway, but Claire, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. it was. But I think that lady uses character names from like TV shows. That's cute. Yeah. Because <laughs> one of them was like, the sister wives or like oh god <laughs> that's not cute <laughs> i 
named this after <laughs> a Mormon guy's third wife. <laughs> anyway, Mac, do you want to get into it? Let's get into it. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about was just home invasion in general. So, well, let me just go down these lists, and then I will ask you at the end what your, like, favorites are and, like, you know, what makes a good home invasion movie for you. So, Screen Rant, they had the top ten, but the top three were Don't Breathe, Straw Dogs from 71, which was remade, I think, in mm, 2011, Mm. maybe. And Funny Games, which we covered on the podcast, and we covered both the Austrian and the American versions. Mm-hmm. So, Wohos, if you're new to the podcast, you can go back and listen to that podcast. So, Funny Games was, like, top. And then the top three underrated ones were Lady in a Cage, I think from 64. Never it's seen good, that. It's got Olivia de Havilland and The Good Neighbor, which I looked up. It's James Kahn. The kid from that Netflix show, Atypical. I, I oh, <laughs> my clackety clack. <laughs> it looked. I have seen this. I looked, have seen this. It looked pretty good, but then I looked up the synopsis, and now I know what happens. Not good. It was okay. It was okay. Okay, <laughs> and then Hangman, which has. It's, you have to look up Hangman. It's hard to find. It's Jeremy Sisto. Mm-hmm. and Love him. I do love him, too. He was in a movie that I don't know how well known it is, but it's called May. Have you ever seen that movie? It's mm-hmm. about a woman who wants to create this doll, like a human doll, and she kills all these people to get their pieces. And he has mm-hmm. these fantastic arms, and so... She kills him. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's well, cool. It is cool. It's kind of gross and weird, but I liked it a lot. <laughs> sounds like something I would like. So my faves are Black Christmas Sleep Tight, which is a Spanish one, and then You're Next. Mm-hmm. How about you? Let's see. Well, so, okay, are we just picking from this list? N- no, no, just whatever. Oh, just in general. Okay. Yeah. I do think Don't Breathe is very good. It doesn't... It it doesn't scare me in the way that home invasion movies usually scare me. Like, I don't – obviously, it's like a twist on the genre. But, I mean, I just think that movie's really well well made and, like, really pretty for what it is. Mm. Um, uh, Funny Games, I think, is really brutal, but more like a thought experiment. I don't know. It doesn't scare me as much. It seems more like something somebody did because they could, but less like – something that would really scare me inside. I mean, really scared me when I first saw it, like, because legit I was in Alan's apartment. I was alone and I was watching it on his TV. And at that apartment, his TV was like against a wall that had a screen door. So basically I was looking at the screen door and mm. looking at the TV and you know, that scene where she's in the screen, I was just like, <sighs> like it was just really freaking me out. And, um, I, I also think Martyrs, the beginning of that movie, yeah. um, is pretty, I mean, it's pretty like much my worst fear, like that idea of somebody just randomly walking into my home and like killing me. Like, I don't know, like yeah. that. 
yeah. what, what she did to the family like that scares me. And your next is pretty scary to me, but maybe it's- I'm not as badass as the, uh, as the girl. So your next might only be scary the first time though. Yes. I, yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's, it's tough. Cause like, I, I can't really point to very many home invasion movies that like I can think of that are like, Oh, that's it. That's it. That's the thing. And it will, you know, make me want to die. But like, but home invasion, the concept was based, I think like my first fear, like in life. Yeah. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because it, it just sort of taps into that fear. And you've mentioned it a number of times, like when we've looked at scenes where someone crawls into the bed. Yes. But they're monsters inside the covers. Yes. That's fucking terrifying. To me, it's that the monster's actually like in your body, mm. which, you know, it's you. it is you, but it, or it has taken you over, whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. so you, you know, you'd like to feel safe in your home and you like to feel like there's a boundary between you and, and the outside world. And then when that's violated, it's scary, super scary. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, obviously, then inside has the extra thing of just like, not only like, there's there's something so visceral about seeing like, I mean, she's literally like a pregnant woman in her pajamas, like you can't get much more in my head, like, defenseless, mm-hmm. in a way of just like, you and I mean, okay, this is like, really weird because extra on my mind is last night i randomly just watched a bootleg of the of the uh musical the waitress or just waitress um based off of the movie i never seen the movie but you know it the main character you know is a lady who gets really pregnant and she has an abusive husband and i just remember thinking like there's a scene of her in her pajamas when she's pregnant and she's singing and basically saying like because her husband finds this money she's been saving to to leave him and she just is saying like you know i'm now like a prisoner basically and she just looks so vulnerable like with her you know big pregnant belly and stuff and i just was thinking like i don't that's such a powerful image to me of just something that should be sacred and should be protected yeah yeah and i think that at least the first strangers and inside both do the thing that i find really scary when i'm watching a movie is you see the 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 killer behind the person they do this in um hush too Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but the the person who's in the house has no idea but we the viewer do know that that person's there and in strangers it lasts for a while when she's in the kitchen yes and they just do a lot of they play a lot with it in inside which i think is really good Mm -hmm. so let's talk about inside Directed by Julianne Mori and Alexandra Bastillo. Who knows if that's anywhere near how they say their names. It was also written by Bustillo, and it stars Beatrice Stahl and Alison Paradis. Now, I think this was the first movie by the guys. Really? And to get Beatrice Stahl was a real get because she's, wow. you know big big draw it was okay i 
Sorry, little fun fact. I just looked up Beatrice Dahl because her face is amazing and um she's kind of fucking crazy. Like she um said in an interview that when she was younger she worked at a morgue and she and her friends would just sell the body parts. Mm. <laughs> and that one time she got high on mushrooms and ate a dead man's ear. Okay. She seems like she's kind of fucking crazy. <laughs> she's been arrested a lot of times. <laughs> Okay, well, that adds another layer. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> All right. So we see this baby inside a mother and and the sound is muffled, but the voiceover is like, you're safe now. No one can hurt you. And she calls the baby him, which is sort of a clue. But anyway, then there's this car crash, this terrible car crash. And we are focused on um, Sarah and her husband, Matthew, has died in the accident. Sarah's incredibly pregnant. Well, she's what? She's five months pregnant, but she's yeah. really pregnant. She looks really, that's what was confusing because, yeah. yeah, I was like, I mean, are you that big when you're five months? No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, unless, I'll- you know, you have twins, but no, you're not. This, even this scene is so bloody. Like, I mean, just blood is just like, Every time you look at her, there's like flowing blood, like it's pouring out of her mouth. It's like her <laughs> husband's dripping. Like, um, <laughs> and again, the, the the opening credits is just blood sloshing. <laughs> it's so brutal. Yeah. So if we did show this to Quinn, I guess we'd have to like fast forward through this part. Anyway, then we time jump four months later. She's having an ultrasound done, and she's going to be admitted tomorrow. They're going to we call it induce labor and then the most french thing ever happens this uh, nurse comes by and she you know she's like oh is this your first baby i bet it's your first baby and she's smoking the nurse is smoking and she tells a story about how her firstborn kid put her through 13 hours of labor and then was born dead <laughs> and and poor sarah like is legit sitting in like a corner next to a christmas tree like looking like this woman is so good at looking miserable like yeah she, she looks so like which i mean makes sense but she this is not the happiest day of her life she looks the most stressed anyone's ever been and she sort of leans into the nurse and she calls her twat <laughs> Sarah is a photographer, and the next scene, she's in a park photographing a small family, uh, mom and dad, toddler, and Sarah looks like she's on the verge of tears. Her face is pretty scarred still four months later from the accident. Jean-Pierre, her boss, comes by. He's going to take her to the to the hospital. Yeah, she sort of rebuffed her mom. Her mom had mm-hmm. volunteered to take her, and she's like, whatever, mom, I just want to go home. The next day is Christmas also, and she's like, whatever, doesn't mean anything to me. Her mom looks like Dr. Melfi from The Sopranos. Oh. Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't put that together. I just was like, she oh, Dr. Looked, Melfi. To me, she just looked too young to be her mom. I thought the same thing. I was, I like, was like, that's her mom? Is okay. that her friend? So I was a little confused. But, and she calls her by her first name also. Yeah. Anyway, she gives the boss the keys and uh, the boss says he misses her, you know, working out there. And when she goes home to her house, part of the address is obscured. But later we'll we'll see that her her house number is 666. I saw that. Too. I was like, OK. <laughs> 
And cool thing about this movie is they shot it all inside that house. Now, I don't know if the exterior was that exterior, Mm -hmm. but everything except the bathroom was inside that house. Interesting. So she goes upstairs. There's lots of pictures of her dead husband and her. And then she imagines that he hugs her from behind. He's kissing her neck. It's so sweet. It's really sweet. He's naked. He cups her belly. And then that fantasy is brutally interrupted by the memory of his head hitting the windshield. She's downstairs. She's knitting. Um, She looks, looks like she's new to knitting. (laughs) (laughs) so there are a couple clues that she's not i guess she doesn't have those traditional maternal instincts Um, yeah so she has left a big hole and she looks through with her eye through the hole and i guess that's echoed later like an eye through a door hole in a door maybe Mm -hmm. anyway she falls asleep in the chair and she wakes up coughing and she pukes up all this milk. And then the baby comes out of her mouth in all this blood. It's so scary. There's like a scene where her she's like lying because then she falls back against the ground that has all the nasty milk and her mouth opens so wide. And I mean, like, you know, it's like I was kind of like, OK, it's a nightmare. But like it I don't know, like the image of somebody with their mouth completely open like that is just like really eerie. It kind of gave me like sleepaway camp vibes, like the end of sleepaway camp where the killer's just standing there with their mouth open. Like (laughs) ding dong. (laughs) A woman wants to use the phone and Sarah says, yeah, I mean, ask somebody else. My husband is sleeping. He works and he's tired and he's sleeping. And the la femme, says, yeah, no, he's not sleeping. He's dead, Sarah. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) So now, to her credit, she checks all the doors and she, you know, checks the kitchen window. She shuts off the lamp. And, um, but Lafam is outside the sliding door. Yes. And it's pretty, she just, when she lights the cigarette, you know, her face is illuminated. But before that, she's just sort of the shadowy figure. And she like, punches one hand into the thing and it cracks it doesn't break open but it's like she means business oh for sure so sarah calls the police and she uses her camera and the flash to you know to get a picture of of the woman now this is a reference to rear window okay today i want to talk about a lot of references and especially when we get to the remake of strangers Mm-hmm. They went nuts with the references, but <laughs> but here I think the references are more like homages or nods rather than yeah. you know just. Re- but we saw this also in Shutter. We also saw this in La Casa Muda. It was a Polaroid, but La Fama is gone upstairs. Sarah is developing the pictures. I wondered if it was okay to develop pictures yeah. when you're that pregnant. Yeah. But I didn't get a clear answer from Reddit. So anyway, but a la blow up, she sees that when she was in the park, that woman was stalking her. So. Mm-hmm. Ding dong. <laughs> <laughs> the police are there. They're a little skeptical of her story, but they do search the house and they search the yard. 
and she shows them the photo that she took, but they're like, yeah, we can't really do anything. These are the most unhelpful police ever. Like, she's like, yeah, she knew my name. And the lady's like, yeah, it's on your mailbox. <laughs> like, okay, well, that's still scary. She's trying to intimidate me. I'm pregnant. Well, she also knew that her husband was dead. That's not on the mailbox. Yeah, that's, pretty, that's pretty, you know. But I mean, they're they're pretty skeptical, which is annoying. But they also um, say they're going to send another unit back later. And the this photo that she has taken is pretty cool because it's really dark, but you do sort of vaguely see um, this figure in the darkness. Yeah. Later, Sarah's watching TV. There's a bunch of rioting going on in the city. And so I think that's also, you know, kind of scary, I guess, mm-hmm. that these people who are rioting, these like, you know, wild people could possibly come into your house. But so <laughs> yeah, maybe the best part mm-hmm. is Sarah is sleeping on the couch and La Femme is watching over her and you don't even see it at first it it's so subtle that you're like is that is that a oh oh shit she's like standing right there yeah Um, and it's like it you don't see her head so it's just the black of her outfit but it moves so slowly that you think well maybe it could be the camera panning and this is just the shadow from the other room but then you're like "Uh uh-uh no it's totally her and as sarah like wakes up completely she just sort of like scooches back into this like open room which i thought was kind of reminiscent of of the innocence there's a Mm. figure that comes up to the window and then like kind of pulls back into the Mm -hmm. shadows anyway sarah calls jean pierre and she says something weird happened she just gets a voicemail something weird happened and she wants to show him and the pictures and maybe get those enhanced then she's in bed she's dressed all in white Mm -hmm. and she has a black cat, and the CGI baby is sucking its thumb. The CGI, I, I, can we just say, what are your thoughts on the CGI baby? I don't know why they did that. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have preferred animation. I mean, like, um, like two D like, animation. <laughs> honestly, like the, it does look like Ally McBeal baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's real bad. Yeah, it's not good. And it does kind of take you out a little bit. I get why they did it. And there's one part at the end that I won't reveal that I do like what they do with it. Um, how it kind of harkens back to another shot, but it's still like mm. I get it. There's a baby inside of her. I don't need to see it. <laughs> no, I mean I think they could have somehow I mean she grasps her her belly. Mm -hmm. you know, in this sort of protective pose. But I feel like maybe there's another way they could have, I don't know, made us feel sympathy or like, I I feel like they're saying, remember, she's pregnant. Like, yeah, the baby that's inside of her. We know that. (laughs) But I can't not think about it when I look at her. (laughs) So anyway, uh, the woman in black is beside her bed again. And Sarah's asleep. Um, La Femme leaves the room and then she goes into this room where there's just all this baby stuff and Mm -hmm. she opens a package of a baby's onesie and she sniffs it. It's kind of odd. And then she goes into the bathroom and we see her, her, her costume. (laughs) I mean, she's got this sort of like witchy black dress and the back is like in this corset 
um, pattern. Her hair is beautiful. It's oh. this like, like Sarah has this really thick black, like wavy hair, which is also very beautiful. But La Femme has this silky brown hair. Like I, her hair, I just thought like, wow, it looks amazing. And I mean, both of the women are so beautiful. La Femme is um, older. Um, I looked it up. She was like, in her early 40s i think when she made this movie and she has like a beautiful like like gap tooth like i don't this woman is just so like when you think like french beauty like i would think of her um and which i just i do love as like an antagonist yeah yeah she's really striking and and scary the the movie really i mean the faces of both of the women are featured and they both do great face acting. Yeah. I feel like they both look great on camera and, and I feel like the director just really spent a lot of time on their faces. Yeah. Yeah. So the woman sits on the bed and she really kind of slowly like exposes Sarah's belly. And then she slowly runs these scissors. She puts Um, them in the alcohol. Oh, that's right. Yeah. She's yeah. And then she just runs the scissors over the belly, but then she pokes the scissor um, into the belly button, which of course wakes up Sarah. The La Femme like slashes Sarah across the face, and Sarah smashes a lamp over her and mm-hmm. kind of scoots away back toward the bathroom. The woman throws the scissors, kind of like a throwing star kind of thing, <laughs> and they get stuck in the door. So Sarah's in the bathroom, and oh my goodness, this is pretty scary too. La Femme is like kicking at the door, like yes. violently trying to like break down this door. And kind of like screaming too. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing that really scares me about La Femme is that she both is like very spooky, composed, but also like when she's mad, it's like she's like slamming the door and like screaming and like growling and stuff. Like it's very like, uh, you know. Yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, it, it's very effective. So Sarah looks at her face in the mirror and, you know, she has a slash across her lip and her water breaks. Now her water breaks twice, but okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's written by two cis men, so. Yeah. So her water breaks and um La Femme is downstairs. John Jean Pierre has let himself in. He has got the keys and he mistakes La Femme for Sarah's mom. <laughs> Which like yeah. I don't know how he does this. <laughs> Cuz yeah. But Just anyway. look at her. Anyway, so he he almost gets away. And he's like, well, you know, I'll leave it to, to you, you know. And mm-hmm. he's almost out the door. And she's like, would you like to have a drink? And so he sits down and has a drink with her. And he's just making chit-chat. Are you looking forward to being a grandmother? And she doesn't answer. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, shh, you know, don't wake Sarah. She's asleep upstairs. <laughs> um, and then, then she kind of slips into the role. She's like. I'm really glad that Sarah's holding up so well. I mean, she went through hell after the accident. Of course, so did I. Mm-hmm. And she says she knows the birth will save them. But he, he, you know, reaches to comfort her and she totally rebuffs yeah. him. And she's yeah. like, another drink? And, you know, when she gets up, he finds the picture that Sarah took on the couch cushion. So he's like, huh. <laughs> Sarah finds a knitting needle in the drawer in the bathroom. At first I was like, why does she have a knitting needle? But then sometimes people use those 
to like tie their hair. So, okay, that's okay. But I'm like, there's needles in like every room of this house. There are so many sharp things in this house. Yeah. (laughs) She's going to have to like, yeah, she's going to totally have to like babify. I just remembered, I I know you, you can cut this out, but I just remembered the, the one parallel that we're about to see between this movie and the strangers. What? With uh, uh, Sarah's mom and Dennis. Oh, yeah. It's interesting that they both have a scene like that. That's true. So Sarah's real mom shows up and she's like, who are you people? Like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Right. There's something I missed a part. Okay. So uh, Jean-Pierre is looking at this photo and, and he's wondering about it. And La Femme starts to pull scissors out from her sleeve and then the mom comes the real mom who are you what are you doing here and she goes upstairs now one thing well we'll talk about it but i thought it was kind of weird that she went upstairs without calling out her daughter mm, daughter's that name is true like like what are you doing who are these people like i just feel like that's a natural thing to do but mm-hmm. she doesn't she just goes up silently open and how does she know that she's in the bathroom i guess she hears something or maybe <laughs> I don't, I don't really know, but so she opens up the bathroom door and Sarah thinks it's La Femme and stabs her in the neck with the knitting needle, which mm. kills the mom. Now there's an arc of blood as the mom is kind of walking away back toward the stairs. And this is reminiscent of Tenebrae, which was, oh. uh, I, you haven't seen it yet, but I mm. would totally, it's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah the, that arc is is just like that jump here comes upstairs and oh wow this death huh <laughs> i don't know how he's kneeling on the stairs exactly does he slip for some reason but he might he might be like oh you know because he's yeah, overcome dead woman. Yeah. yeah so la femme stabs him through the back of his knee holy moses then she stabs his balls a bunch and there's all this blood and then she stabs his face and then finally she runs the blade across his throat. And then there's that there's a sting. It's kind of like it's like almost like an alarm. It's like wah mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it's like a horror movie sound. Yeah. <laughs> so then uh La Femme stabs La Femme stabs the door and then she takes the scissors out. And she pulls Jean-Pierre downstairs. I don't even know why she does this, but she pulls him, you know, down the stairs. He's not dead. Somehow. Uh, again, what? And um, she puts a pillow over him. That doesn't take care of it. So she stabs through the pillow and that does take care of it. So that when she pulls the pillow away, we see that she's really fucked up his eye. And he is dead. Mm-hmm. So Sarah has the door open a little. <laughs> Lafam grabs her hair and she takes a big chunk of her hair off. But Sarah stabs her with the needle and it breaks off yet another needle and it breaks off in her arm. And that really hurts her. Mm -hmm. She like pulls it out with her mouth. (laughs) (laughs) So this is kind of a controversial scene. I don't know how you feel about it, but Lafam is just sitting with her back against the wall and she's smoking, but the, there's this weird camera work where it's like kind of like glitching. Mm-hmm. And then we have 
the part with the cat. You know, but, obligatory cat death. But before that, I mean, how did you feel about that glitching? It's like these jump cut kind of, you know. I, you know, I honestly didn't mind it. I mean, like, I didn't find it scary. And probably, and if it had not been in the movie, I wouldn't have missed it. But I mean, I didn't hate it. I, I just kind of thought it was trying to say, like, this woman is just like, there's not really even a plan for her. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, to me, it just kind of was like, you know what? She's on one mission and one mission only. And it is to, it, there's more, but, you know, for us, the audience, it's to get this baby. And I, I guess that's just kind of the vibe I thought was just kind of like maybe a lesser or may, maybe somebody who wasn't as committed would have just been like, you know what? I'm just going to like fucking go, you know, like clearly things have not gone well here, but it's like, mm-mm, like, you know, it, it's more just like you bitch this. You've made this harder for me. Like, that's just kind of the vibe I got. Yeah. Was that It was just like, I'm still ready. Like, I'm still ready to go. I've got all this shit out of the way. And that she's just fucked up. I don't know. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel it's a choice and I think it's fine. But like you, I don't think it's necessary. Like we know she's nuts. So I don't really mm-hmm. know what this is all about. But then the cat comes by and at first she's very tender with the cat. You know what she's going to do. But then, of course, she strangles I, the cat. I find the cat choice more unnecessary because like – we don't even really see Sarah like enjoy the presence of this cat ever. Like there's cats in, and again, I mean, like this is kind of a good thing because I mean, I care about the cat, but it really was just to me that felt more unnecessary of just like this cat didn't even have a name. It wasn't anything that we, the audience knew about. It was just, Oh yeah, she has a cat. Oh, it's dead now. You know? And she she didn't even, Sarah didn't even notice the cat was dead. So it's just her, Sarah's mom is, she just killed her mom. Like, she killed her literal own mom. Like, I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like, what more do we need? Mm-hmm. You know? The cat did sort of, I think, alert her, if she could be alerted, to mm-hmm. La Femme's presence at the at the couch. Mm. But Sarah didn't, you know, she didn't yeah. tune into that at all. Also, by the way, don't you feel the presence of somebody like when they come I up behind you? You you must. Like there's something it's not just like it's like the energy changes in the room. Like there there's a smell. There's, you know, there's heat, you know, like there's sound of her clothes. I I don't know. I don't think it's possible for somebody to be unless you have your own senses like hurt by something. Yeah, that's true. You can tell if somebody's right next to you. I guess in the remake, which I didn't see. Oh, uh, I did not either. She's, after the accident, she's half deaf. Oh. So that kind of takes care of that. But even then, it's like smell. Yeah, totally. I, and that just the feeling, just the vibe or something. I mean, I feel like if my boyfriend walks into the room and I'm like washing the dishes or something, you know, I, I know he's there. I can feel yeah. him. And, you know, even if I have the music turned up really high, I can feel that he's there. Yeah. Anyway, inside the bathroom, Sarah and the baby are both really struggling. Uh, La Femme pokes hole, a hole in the door with the scissors and Sarah punches the mirror and grabs like a shard of the glass of the mirror. Oh, very innocent of... Lafam punching. Ah, the, yeah, the door. Yeah, yeah. The woman says that uh, you know 
I guess Sarah's like, what the fuck? And the lady's like, I want that baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> and she said, you don't want that baby. Yeah. And so just give it to me. Like, I want she it. Said, you open up it. the door. Come on. <laughs> but then LaFemme has sort of a scissors tantrum. She just sort of, and then, woo woo, police cars outside. Hmm. So <laughs> this is an interesting <laughs> bunch. So we have a prisoner in the back cuffed. He was at the riots, but he's saying it's a case of mistaken identity that they got the wrong guy. And they're like, yeah, of course you would say that. But I think they got the wrong guy. I think that's what they're trying to say. But he's handcuffed. And then, so LaFemme goes to check it out, but she slides this like bookcase or something Mm -hmm. against the door so she can't get out. So two cops get out to check on Sarah. And LaFemme grabs a knitting needle before she opens the door. And she's like, I'm fine, guys. Thank you. But everything's Mm -hmm. cool. Oh, that banging upstairs? That's my old washing machine. Not Mm -hmm. to worry. And they're like, oh, yeah, of course. No big deal. So all this time, Sarah has been poking a hole in the door with the mirror shard. And she almost gets the door open. She, like, reaches her arm through the hole. Um, but then LaFemme comes up and kind of crucifies that hand with the scissors. Ugh. That would be so painful. So painful. But then cops are kind of walking away and one of them is like, wait a second. <laughs> Wasn't she supposed to be pregnant? And I think also part of them were just kind of like, mm, mm. this feels hanky. Yeah. So they come in to the house and oh they hear the banging and Mm -hmm. one of the policemen goes upstairs and you know discovers there's a woman you know inside the bodies and then yeah a couple of bodies and so he's like uh arrest that woman you know she's a bad person and so the guy's about to do that but also has a knitting needle and she stabs that guy in the ear Mm -hmm. poor guy and then across the neck i think He's dead. I mean, yeah, he's, 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 he's like, he's done so. He's done so. So, uh, the other cop takes the scissors out, you know, from her hand, and LaFemme sees a gun on the guy that she killed. Oh, this scene. Oh, my God. This is so horrible. I love it so much. It's so good, but it's so bad. <laughs> so, the cop gets the door open, and, you know, they lay eyes on each other, and then half of his face is blown off onto. Sarah's face and she's screaming it's so like I mean again it's so good but it's like I mean it's it's like a close-up of a man's face being like blown off you know like you see his face you know front facing and it's just all hope is lost I don't know like that's like the vibe I get is just like uh uh-uh nuh-uh like La Femme is like (laughs) I don't know it's just poor like if this baby wasn't already going to be, you know, fucked up in whatever way La Femme's going to fuck it up, it's like the stress, Sarah, like, I don't know how she didn't go to shock, you know, it's like, no. I, like, this woman, like, I feel like I would drop dead if something like that happened to me. I was just like, oh, my heart gave out. I just dropped dead. <laughs> yeah, we sort of get that a little bit later, but I agree with you. There's just so much trauma. Like mm-hmm. physical trauma and just like fear and adrenaline that must be coursing through her. But, you know, she slams the door shut, but LaFemme is like shooting through the door. 
Now, the third cop back in the car who has been talking to his girlfriend on the phone all this time, he's like, what were those shots? So, and maybe maybe the stupidest um, idea ever, he tethers the the prisoner, the guy, uh, to his own body. And the guy's like, please don't do this. Like, (laughs) I feel so bad for him. So he finds the his fallen comrade um, upstairs, and I mean downstairs. And then he, you know, sees the guy with a half blown off face upstairs, and he gives a prisoner a gun again. It's like, a, it's like the, the riot gun, or it's like a Taser. flare gun or something. Yeah. Okay. I wondered what it was because for because yeah. of what happens later. Anyway. He's telling Sarah to stay there. She's just sort of behind the sink. That's sort of her her home base. And the bathroom is like covered in blood. There's like blood all over this thing. And the cop thinks that LaFemme went out the window in the bedroom. So, but then all the lights go out. Now, I don't know why he didn't think that the woman turned off all the lights. But I guess just a, this just happens in France. Just the lights go out. <laughs> And I mean, seriously, really screaming. She's still here. She's still here. <laughs> like she's yelling. Well, he's like, Call for backup. I don't. Yeah, there's so many bad decisions. So he he says he's going to go check. He gives a gun to Sarah now from the guy with the half blown off face. He gives her his gun, and she he's like, stay here. I'm going to go check on the circuit breaker. <laughs> but first, let me wrap up your hands in gauze. Mm-hmm. Don't know why he did that either, but it's kind of sweet. He wraps up both of her hands. He puts a sweatshirt around her. Um, that is nice. So maybe that is part of the training, you know, make sure that the traumatized person, you know, doesn't go into shock. So the guy finds the circuit breaker, and then maybe Sarah is in shock because she just sort of stumbles out of the bathroom and mm-hmm. then just like walks into her bedroom and just like lies down. Mm-hmm. And she just sort of, you know, the gun f- kind of flops on the bed next to her. It's a very, um, it it is like a complete like parallel to when she first does that, like before all this happens. And, you know, she just lays down in bed and you see her hair fanned out behind her and she's wearing white. But now she's done it and she, her face is red and the whole body's red and stuff. Oh, poor thing. Yeah. So the guy finds the circuit breaker and... Another cool shot. LaFemme just sort of like moves into <laughs> the moves into the what I'm trying to say that moves into the shot mm-hmm. and she shoots the guy. Well, we don't see it, but we hear the shot. Um, but it's with the riot gun, right? Twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, with the riot yeah. gun. So how did she get? Okay. That might be a plot hole. I'm not sure. And Abdel says, Hey, lady, shouting up to Sarah. Hey, lady, she's still here. That was really sweet of him. I mean, no. He's, a he's not even supposed boy. to be there. He's just tied up to her, like this poor kid. So she stabs him through the forehead with the scissors. And he. I do love this. He pulls the scissors out. And then he, he like, but, tries to kind of hold it together but he's so disoriented because obviously his brain's fucked up (laughs) yeah i it was like a you know instant lobotomy or something like he doesn't he's not putting all the pieces together so you can't see he's shaking he falls down dead and la femme is just smoking she's just observing all of this 
So she takes the flashlight upstairs. And Sarah's still asleep on her bed. And LaFemme crawls onto Sarah's body. And she goes to kiss her. But then Sarah bites off her lip. So good job. And Sarah's stumbling down the stairs. LaFemme is crying. Sarah gets the needle from the one guy's ear. Mm. But LaFemme finds her and starts kicking her and punching her. So now Sarah puts the needle to her tummy. Like mm-hmm. she's going to sacrifice her baby. And I thought that was a pretty good move. But LaFemme grabs a toaster and just like swings it and just like hits her in the head. That was amazing to me. Like, because LaFemme just kind of like looks at her, looks to the right, like grabs the toaster on the cord and just like whacks her. Like, I don't know. LaFemme's just like, you can't stop me. So now she's like, fine, I can have another cigarette. So she lights her cigarette. But then... Um, Sarah has an aerosol can and she shoots it at her and her face gets all engulfed in flames and she's <sighs> screaming and she seems, seems like that's it for her, but we know by Probably now. would be for most. Yeah. Unless you're in this movie, she screams and runs away. Now Sarah's lungs are filling with blood, I guess, because she performs an emergency tracheotomy on herself. This part to me was unnecessary. Totally unnecessary. You could have just cut it out of the movie and we would have never known. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but a la the pool, she <laughs> takes the duct tape and she um, covers mm-hmm. up the, the blood. Because it's just spurting out of her, of her oh, neck. This must be so annoying. <laughs> so she makes herself a weapon. This is kind of cool. She like makes herself a weapon. Um, out of a knife and then I don't know what that pole thing is I'm like is it part of the shower curtain but that doesn't make any sense but anyway so she's got a pole now that's like I mean she's got a weapon now that's on a stick so that's that's good and she does the flashing camera trick again and she finds La Femme in the pantry and she's smoking but what I mean by that is like smoke is yeah. like coming off of her head yeah and she says you can't kill me twice Sarah <gasps> You already did. And she was in the other car mm-hmm. in the car crash. And she was also heavily pregnant. And also she was talking to her baby. That was the voiceover in the beginning. And then we get, um, you know, the the great, to me, the only, the only part of the CGI baby we needed to see was the shot of La Femme in the car. Then when she crashes, the baby just like uh, Sarah's husband hits like uh, <laughs> the windshield of the womb. <laughs> but like, you know, you basically get the same sense, like Sarah lost, you know, her heart and La Femme lost hers on that day. Um, obviously it does not give her the right to, uh, you know, go on a murder. And also it is kind of like, Sarah's like, they told me there were no survivors. And I'm like, how could, I just don't know. I know Sarah was fucked up after the car wreck, but it's like, she was legit in the car right next to her and you didn't ever get a glimpse of who was in the car. Like I don't I like I've never been in a car accident that bad, but you don't even get a glimpse and like what did she run out and they were just like, "Oh, there's no other person in the car." So I I was kind of oh, like That's yeah. a huge plot hole. That like, is pretty bad, yeah. So Homie gets the lights on. Um but he's all out of it cuz he got shot with the stun gun, so his eyes, he kind of looks like a like a I don't know, like an undead or something. Yeah, he looks like a zombie. Yeah, his eyes are all like red and black around the edges. And he's like totally 
disoriented. And so he thinks that she's the bad guy and he starts hitting Sarah with the billy club, like in her belly. Yeah. And, and then her water breaks again. Like, but like, that's how that works. There's all this gore with the water. Mm hmm. And I did like this. LaFam stabs him through the armpit. I think that's yes. always such a cool death. <laughs> through yeah. the armpit, but then also like straight on into the chest. Mm -hmm. And Sarah gets to the stairs and she says the baby is coming. And now it sort of seems like LaFam is going to help her deliver this baby. But Sarah says, I think it's stuck. Now, she, how would she know? She wouldn't know that. But okay. how would she know? <laughs> she wouldn't. It's ridiculous. She would be. She'd be dead. Do you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like this woman. Now she's been beaten. Like, yeah. like when he beats her in the stomach, that's like a pretty brutal moment. Like you see the whole thing, and it's just like she would just be dead. Yeah, like, totally. I don't know. So she's calling out for her mommy. It's so sad. Yeah. And LaFam is like kind of stroking her face and she's like, like, they're there. I'm here. <sighs> and Sarah thinks the baby's stuck. Yeah. LaFam cuts the nightie away and that exposes the belly. Again, this is kind of slow. And then she cuts into the belly button and then up and then she peels back the Ugh. skin. And there's all this blood, like like cascades of blood like yes, going down, down the, the stairs. stairs. And I guess it fades to black. Now it's dark again, which I didn't understand because he got the lights on before all yeah. of this. But yeah. it's dark again like it was before. And LaFamme is cradling the baby and she slowly moves to the rocking chair and we hear the baby cry. So mm -hmm. We know that the baby has survived, but the camera pans back to the staircase and all the carnage that is now Sarah is there and she is so oh, she dead. super dead. Her face does, I mean, her tummy does not look good. Mm -mm. Um, Intestines laying out. But neither does La Femme. Like she mm -hmm. looks kind of like Two-Face, the villain. Yeah. Like part of her face is okay, but the other part is completely charred and black. And she's lost, like, so much hair in that accident. Her eye is messed up. Yeah. But she's rocking the baby, and that's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I asked you if you wanted to know how I felt about it. And you're like, yes, save it for the pod. And I, save it for the pod. I fucking loved it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's carnage. I know that you, when you saw it, you, or at some point you said that, that you wanted to talk about it with me. And yeah. I don't know if you had said, I think you'll like it, but boy, did I like it. It's very good. Like, and what I, what I like about it as opposed, what I feel like makes it scary is La Femme is scary because the other protagonists are pretty capable. I feel like, like I, I don't think they're. Com I think they make some dumb decisions. Like obviously that cop at the end. Why did he not call for backup? But like, I mean, otherwise, like you know, her mom instantly is like, "Well, let me go help my daughter." And then like Jean Pierre is like, "You're not," you know, and and the the police, you know, like I think more so than 
the strangers, the the people and and like Sarah obviously is like I mean Sarah I think is as capable as anyone could expect someone to be in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like I think she does every situation perfectly to the best of her ability. It's just that she is, you know, outmatched, which makes sense cuz she's a, you know, woman about to give birth. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not insane so far as we can tell. I mean, yeah. She's a little insane with her grief, but yeah. And that's what makes this movie so scary is that La Femme is just like, I have nothing to lose. Like, yeah. And because it, it's not even really about having that baby, it's about killing Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie was shot in chronological order, which is pretty rare, I guess. The character of La Femme was modeled after Pinhead. It's interesting. As Pinhead wore a priest's cloak. The director said, that is exactly what we wanted for her, to be a mix between Pinhead and the fact that she's like a demon coming from hell. Achieved. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I did wonder, and then I just stopped. But I'm like, is she in hell? Is this Mm. hell? You know, the 666, she doesn't like Christmas. You know, obviously, this is about the worst. I mean, you know, the worst thing I can imagine is being pregnant and, and losing the baby. But I mean, to lose it like this is worse. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Like the way Sarah is, is like, I mean, I have never been married or had a kid or anything, but it's like, I imagine that if you like, obviously, like, it's totally fine to have a kid and raise it on your own. Duh. But like, she specifically got pregnant with her husband and probably it was like, well, I, it's less about maybe having this baby more about making a baby with you now husband's dead and now you're just stuck with baby and at like i mean that seems like a personal hell too of kind of like now i've got this thing that's always going to remind me of you you know and they never talk about this but she was driving Mm -hmm. so i have to imagine that she feels some guilt i mean it was a, a rainy wet slippery road but still um you know, can't help but think it would you'd be somewhat responsible. I mean, she seems genuinely upset that La Femme lost her baby. Like, even after all La Femme has put her through, it seems like when she hears about it, she really it's not like she's like, Oh, I get it, that's fine. But you know, she's kind of like, Oh, you know, like this makes a lot of sense. Like, she doesn't seem surprised in a way that La Femme would want this revenge on her. Well, and unlike the strangers, you know, La Femme has targeted her specifically yes, for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when that's revealed, I mean, it's heartbreaking, but, you know, it does make sense. So how would we rate it? I thought we could rate it in pairs of scissors. <laughs> I think I'll give it four scissors because I think there's a lot of issues with it. And also something... Legit, if I had never read this, I would like it more. But when I was looking up some about the movie, the two male directors said that, and I'm sure that they thought about it more than this, but the way that they phrased this, they were like, well, we wanted to have a slasher or something, you know, where the the antagonist is a woman. And then we thought, well, what would be the reason why a woman would want to kill another? And I'm like, and the best you could do is 
get her unborn baby. Like this, I do think this is an okay, like a totally fine and scary idea for a movie. But just the fact that these guys, these two dipshits, like the only thing they could think of, well, why would one woman want to kill another? Babies, obviously. Right. Yeah. Because they're women, right? (laughs) (laughs) I think the, the shots in the beginning are really amazing. Like that one when Mm -hmm. she's on the couch, Mm -hmm. I mean, fantastic. I think I would give it, well, I don't know how how you would do this, but four and a quarter. (laughs) Four and a quarter scissors. (laughs) I really like this movie. I was, I mean, I've heard about it before and I was like, I'm never going to watch that movie. And then when you mentioned it before, I was like, well, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe. I mean, obviously, you know what I can handle and what I can't. So, Mm -hmm. Um, but boy, I, I really liked it a whole lot more than I thought I would. What have we learned from this movie? Oh my god. Um All right, a few things. <laughs> um Maybe just maybe if you are going to be pregnant, it, you are going to have birth the next day. Get a chaperone till, you know, for your evening. I listen, I know you want to be alone. However, you never know what kind of issues can come up. Like somebody who wants to steal the baby right out of your t- out of your tummy. Um, again, please, I would like to ask any and all officers. Um, when you get onto a scene and then you hear gunshots, maybe you should call for backup. Yeah, before you go into the house, tethered to the guy you picked up at the riots. I mean, if you had left him in there and been like, oh, "If I don't come back in ten minutes, call for help." Totally. There you go. There you go. Keep yeah. keep some flashlights in your house, maybe. In case somebody crazy turns off all the lights. Um, Maybe before you stab somebody through the neck, be like, are you, I don't know. Yeah. Thing is, I don't know how she didn't know that that was her mom well, at the door. I guess when you, when you go to your daughter's house or you go to anybody's house and you suspect that something is amiss. Yeah. You know, call out her name. Or be like, it's me, your mother. Here's my name and I'm coming to open up the door. Yeah. That just really... I, I was like, are French people just really different in this regard? But no, of course not. No. Anyone would do this. She could have easily gone, knock, knock, Sarah, it's me, your mother. Boom. Mm-hmm. Now we've avoided getting stabbed in the neck. Yeah, completely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't assume that just because a window is open, that the bad guy has, you know, left via the open window without checking i don't know this guy i mean it's like he like fell in love with her in in a minute and like just wanted to like take care of her her. yeah and that's cool i guess but i all these police officers were real dumb maybe that's maybe that's realistic i don't know i mean they can't all be that dumb who knows? <laughs> <laughs> would we watch it again? I would. Yeah. Yeah. I will say I do think I was more scared the first time. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not good. It's just to me, I feel like the first time really is going to be like the, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the first time, you know, it's going to be the most effective part. Yeah. You see. Who wins the You Fool Award? All the police. <laughs> yeah. Especially like the last guy who goes. Yeah, that the last house. guy, number one, him. Yeah. Yeah. He's stupid. All right. Should we move on to the strangers? Sure. 
So The Strangers, it was written and directed by Brian Bertino, starring Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman, released May 30th, 2008 in the US and has a runtime of 85 minutes. So apparently, this was inspired by true events, doubt. I think you can just say that in movies. Yeah, you can say it, but... You can just say it. So Bertino said that this was based on an event that actually happened to him when he was a kid. Okay, okay. he was, like, I think he and his sister were home alone. His parents were were out, and somebody knocked on the door. The, The sister answered the door, and, you know, they asked for somebody. You know, nothing else happened, but then they heard later that when they got to a house where no one was home, they broke into the house. Oh, that's so scary. So, I mean, also the Manson murders. I mean, that's terrifying. Um, And then there was another one that I looked up, the Keddy, K-E-D-D-I-E murders. So we have a secluded area. It's kind of like in the woods a little bit, this house. And James Hoyt and Kristen McKay, a.k.a. Liv Tyler and Scott Speedman, um, arrive at night to James's childhood summer home, and they've just returned from a friend's wedding. And we can see that there's some tension between these two, because it seems as though James not only committed the cardinal sin of proposing at somebody else's wedding, what a fucking dweeb, but she rejected it. Now, I just gotta say, here begins one of my major conflicts with this film, is that this is presented as like relationship ending. And I think that that makes James like a fucking bitch, like a little Mm -hmm. bitch boy, because Mm -hmm. Kristen, please note, number one, Kristen is played by Liv Tyler, who is beautiful. And number two, she's totally cool to keep dating. All it is, is she's like, I don't want to get married. Um, completely understandable. Marriage is kind of overrated. And you don't have to get married to be in love and to be a couple. And he's this guy is legit like a little bitch man because she's like, hey, I still love you. I still want to be with you. And he's like, oh, you don't want to marry me, though. So, well, you know what? Break up with him, Kristen. I think this was the 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 sign. Anyway, <laughs> so I just this is presented to the audience as like this bitch, right? This bitch doesn't want to marry him. Yeah. And it's like, she's fine. She didn't do anything wrong. And I completely agree with you. Like, I've been in a relationship with somebody for almost 10 years, and we're not married, and I doubt that we'll ever get married. And that's fine. It doesn't take away anything from Nothing. how we feel about each other. And yeah, so this is pretty dumb. BS. So James calls his friend Mike, and he says, hey, please, please pick me up in the morning. And so these two are just kind of awkwardly piddling around the house. After 4 a.m., there's a loud knock on the door. There's a young blonde woman whose face is obstructed by the poor lighting um, that they can see through the, I believe they're looking through like the peephole. Mm -hmm. And she asks, is Tamara here? And she's, but James is like, no, no way by that name. And again, this is his childhood home. So that is, I guess, pretty weird because there's never been a Tamara there. And she says, okay, see you later. Um, And so since James is a little bitch boy, he goes for a drive to purchase a pack of cigarettes for Kristen. Um, But before he departs, he starts a fire in the hearth. And so Kristen's waiting. She's wearing, she's changed out of her gown. Now she's into a sensible flannel and jeans. And she hears another knock on the door, but she doesn't open it. She asks who it is and hears that it's the same girl who's asking for Tamara. Uh, This is so funny to me (laughs) is that Liv, 
again, another issue I have with this movie is that Liv Tyler has all the agency of a baby girl um, and also talks like one the whole entire movie. She's a grown woman and she's like, but what she says to this woman, she says, you already asked that. (laughs) (laughs) You asked that before, like trying to catch the like this psycho in their lie. And the mysterious girl just walks away. Again, this is where you call 911. But I guess we don't do that. Kristen realizes that the chimney flue is closed and attempts to open it and smoke starts coming out of and uh, it, it triggers a smoke alarm. So she attempts to disarm the alarm and she's startled by another knock at the door. Alarm is dropped. Um, she calls Jason's cell from the landline, but then the call is cut short. She returns to the kitchen and is, I think, just chilling, maybe getting like a glass of water. And we see in the adjacent hallway is a man in the mat in a mask, um, very creepy mask, and he's just standing there looking at her. She just keeps moving around, totally unbeknownst that there's a person looking at her, and then just like walks. Doesn't he just walk back into the yeah shadows too? I think this um, is the scariest part. <laughs> yeah, this is the scariest part of the movie. Is the because it the movie does not bring attention to it. You just have to be looking and then see it and be like, oh my god. Um, and that's amazing. So she she then notices that the smoke alarm she left on the floor is sitting on a chair, which is also pretty scary. So somebody must have been in the house. She goes to retrieve her cell phone from a charger, and she sees that it's missing. So she begins to panic. She hears a noise in the backyard, and she gets herself a knife. She opens the curtains and sees the masked man staring at her. Like he's right there. Yeah, like right up against the window. So she screams, stumbles into the hallway, and the front door is forced ajar. She goes to push it close, and the blonde woman, now in a doll-like mask, peers inside. After locking the door, Kristen retreats to the bedroom, where she hears a loud crash before James returns. Um, This fucking stupid idiot James comes back, and he's skeptical. Mm-hmm. She explains what happens, and she's like, legit there's somebody here and he's like okay Kristen, there's nobody here and then he goes outside to the car sees that uh the car's been ransacked and vandalized so yeah i think Kristen was telling the truth and sees the masked blonde woman watching from afar they try to get into the the car and leave but (laughs) a masked brunette woman rear ends them in a pickup truck and they flee um so they're fucked so they're inside the house and they find a shotgun and they're just chilling in the bedroom hello is written on the window and like lipstick and then there's an axe through the door and i like we've written here a la the shining <laughs> <laughs> so mike mike rolls up mike is played by dennis from it's always sunny and um he, i mean like he comes up and he's like he's like hey where are you bud i'm sitting right here like leave me waiting for you this idiot dumb ass sees james's vandalized car goes does not call the police and just enters the house. And we also see that there's some of the strangers, you know, like kind of chilling, like, you know, looking at him. But also like Scott Speedman told him to pick him up in the morning. Did he mean 5 a.m. in the morning? Like that's pretty early. That's real early. And he's still wearing a suit. So we can assume that Mike has not left the party at all. Um, And so when he enters the house, um, I think somebody, like comes out of the shadows kind of just signaling like they know he's there and what 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 ensues is nothing involving 
uh, these intruders at all because these fucking idiots can just cause their own mayhem. Um, <laughs> he doesn't really call. He calls out for him outside of the house. But then once he gets in the house, he decides to go silent. That's the best thing to do. Again, let's not call the police. And he walks right in front of the open, you know, entryway and James shoots him dead. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I legit was like, if they kill him, I will be so angry. And then they did. And I was. So James is devastated because he's an idiot. And he then is like, oh, I have an old radio transmitter in a barn. So he leaves Liv Tyler to just sit there with the with the husk of his friend that he's killed. And he encounters the brunette woman who's searching the backyard with a flashlight. So James tries to shoot her, but the masked man ambushes him and knocks him unconscious. And it discharges the rifle. So Kristen hears this, runs to the barn. She runs and falls because she's baby woman. Um, she finds the radio, um, but then one of the masked women smashes it with an axe. So I think in the credits or somewhere they're referred to as Dollface and Pinup Girl. So, <laughs> and then the masked man is just the masked man or the man in the mask. Interesting. Yeah. So she rushes back into the house. She encounters dollface um who taunts her with a knife she then goes to escape she gets into a closet but of course is discovered and then the masked man incapacitates her so it's dawn and the couple wakes up and they are tied to chairs in the living room with the three uh you know intruders standing in front of them and this is really scary i have to say because like they're just completely restrained it's daylight so nothing bad is supposed to happen in the daytime Usually to me, I feel like the, the, the next day in a horror movie signifies like, well, everything's okay now, mm -hmm. you know, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Um, and so Kristen is trying to reason with them and she's like, why? Why are you doing this to us? And Dollface just goes, because you were home. <laughs> and which is like, ah! <laughs> um, so they unmask themselves and we get like, we don't really get glimpses of their faces. Just we know that they're taking their masks off, but you don't ever see their faces. And so then they go up towards James and just like take turns stabbing them in the chest and ab. It's like so like slow, which make and so like simple, which mm -hmm. makes it so brutal because, you know, like Kristen obviously just has to sit there and watch and is like, don't, don't. And they just like shove, you know, the knife into James and then they do it to Kristen and then they drive away. So I actually forgot to mention in the beginning, we actually opened with two young boys who are calling this break in in to the police. And so now at the end of the movie, we see them actually approaching the house this was a little bit weird to me because it's like the Mormons on the bikes who do this, they're on their like mission trip. And I don't know if children do it like these. They they had yeah, like pretty young because I think yeah, they're, like they're usually like 19 or so. I mean, yeah. at, at least according to the Book of Mormon, the musical. Yeah, um, where I know all my Mormon stuff from. <laughs> <laughs> so so, you know, these these two little boys are just handing out pamphlets and the blonde woman steps out of the truck and asks if she can have one. He asks her, are you a sinner? And she resp she replies, sometimes. <laughs> and so the boy gives her one and they drive away. And the and the brunette woman states, it'll be easier next time. What do you mean? It was the easiest thing on the planet the first time. <laughs> I don't know what you, neither of you are in, none of you are injured, are you? Like, no. It's only been a, f a few hours, I guess, because this all happened at 4 a.m. Now it's dawn. Like, what, two hours? I would say this is probably as easy as it gets. 
They didn't even kill one of the three people dead. They didn't have to do anything. In fact, all they did was just not appear to be there and they killed each other. (laughs) So the two boys come inside the house and they discovered their bodies. And one of the boys approaches Kristen's body, attempts to touch it. Of course, she just grabs him and starts screaming. And then that's the end of the movie. I don't know if anybody's ever done that in the history of human creation of woken up uh, you know, uh, from a stupor after being stabbed, and grabbed the the clearest, the, the nearest person, and just screamed in their face. I don't think that's ever happened, but it's a. I guess it's a good way to end a movie. So, yeah. So we we rewatched this, um, mm-hmm. you, me, and Quinn for Squad, and I think that was only the second time I had seen it, and we mm-hmm. were just like laughing at yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty scared, I think, the first time that I saw it. But Mm -hmm. I guess maybe it's just a one time thing. Because we were just like, what? Wait, what? (laughs) Because the the motivations of, of the people who are not the intruders are very weird. Yeah. And I I first watched this like at a sleepover. And I don't know, I, I think it's a good movie when you haven't seen very many horror movies and you just the idea of somebody breaking in scares you. But then if you take two seconds to really think about it, you'll be like, this is the dumbest. It's just not as scary to me as, as inside because like, I do think having the only motive to is to cause chaos or to be, you know, crazy. I think that's definitely scary, but inside is so much scarier because Sarah is capable it's she's in a hopeless situation, which is sad and scary, you know. Yeah. Um, and also, La Femme to me is is a much scarier like antagonist. Yeah, she's super scary. Yeah, I mean, these guys are lunatics, but they kind of do that thing that they do in The Purge, which I know yes. is a later movie where they mm-hmm. just sort of are like hang out like in the yard. Yeah, and I guess that's scary, but. I mean, the fact that when they get in the house and they've like thrown the cell phone into the fire or whatever, that's, yeah, that's pretty scary. It's, it's, but there's like, there's none of the unhingedness. Like, um, I know this is not at all related because it's not even a horror movie, but like Last King of Scotland to me is a really scary movie because, yeah, the, um, uh, the man that Forrest Whitaker plays is just unhinged. But he's also has all the power. So it's kind of like you're at the whim of this man whose brain doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And like that's scary. Yeah. And these people are just very reasonable. They're yeah. like t- for being four people in a pickup truck or three people in a pickup truck trying to go kill people. They're just very chill. And maybe that's really scary to some. But I found La Femme's like unfiltered rage at banging against the door to be much scarier. Yeah. When she's kicking at that door. That is really scary to me. Well, I don't know what it is that the boy handed to her. Anyway, I know that Jehovah's Witnesses have Mm -hmm. this thing called the Watchtower magazine. Mm -hmm. So whatever the equivalent of that is for Mormons, why don't we rate it in terms of that? Okay, two. (laughs) Wow! (laughs) (laughs) Wow! surprises me oh my god (laughs) i just don't think it's that good i would say three at least because simply for the shot of the man in the mask 
Like that is done so well and it's so scary. And I know when we were watching that movie that we were all like, <laughs> like But that was the only part I liked. Yeah. Well, and the because you were home. I mean, that is if you don't if that's the first time you're hearing that, that is mm-hmm. pretty scary. Just wasn't impressed. <laughs> wasn't impressed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think three is mm-hmm. But uh, what have we learned? Um, <laughs> again, maybe just call out a name. Maybe if you see your buddy's car has been smashed in and you don't hear anything, call the um, police. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he doesn't do that immediately when he pulls There's up. No like the, him seeing that and saying, "I'm going to go in there. I'm going to walk in there." Makes no sense. No. Uh, don't smoke. Yeah. Don't do. Hey, leads smoking kills apparently <laughs> like this. <laughs> well, I don't know if she survives or not. So, but you know, it doesn't lead to good things anyway. <laughs> you know, it takes him out of the situation. Um, yeah, but he also goes because he's pissed that she didn't marry him. And also, when he comes home and he's like, yeah, sure, there are people in the house, then you know for sure you shouldn't be with this guy. Uh, no, 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 no. So that's like, a good good thing. If, if I came home <laughs> after going to the store and Alan said, there's people outside and they're trying to kill us, I'd be like, holy shit, let me call 911 on my cell phone. He leaves the cell phone in the car. Why does he do that? Well, because it's 2008. But even then, why would you do that? What's the point of having a cell phone then if you don't bring it with you? That's a good point. Like, oh, just leave it in my car. Maybe before you, you know, get into a a relationship with somebody, you might want to talk about your thoughts on marriage with that person. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey. This goes to every everyone listening. Do not fucking propose to someone at somebody else's wedding. It's <laughs> so tacky. It's real tacky. If you've done that, I guess congrats and I'm sorry for saying this to you, but you did something incredibly tacky. <laughs> that is not your day. That is not your moment. Pick another day. Would we watch it again? No. I don't I think I'm good on this one. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Who wins the You Fool Award? <laughs> Honestly, Dennis, Mike, yeah. Dennis slash Mike, you're dumb. <laughs> you don't deserve to die, but you didn't. You you didn't help yourself. No, I would agree. The film was shot entirely with handheld cameras or steady cams. Every shot has some camera movement. That you like that? Oh yeah, that's my favorite. During filming, in order, or okay, this makes me like Liv Tyler less. Really? I mean, I like her. She's fine. Mm-hmm. Leftovers, great. But during filming, in order to get an actual reaction from Liv Tyler, director Brian Bertino would tell her where to expect a loud bang from, but would then have the loud noise come <laughs> from a completely different direction. I, why do you like? Why do you like her less? I mean, she should be able to do that. She should <laughs> be able to react. <laughs> In in the you know she's scared right yeah 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 also I guess she would like run around the set like jog and like get herself out of breath so you know so she could be breathy oh god and her voice in this Uh, James I need to smoke but also apparently she had tonsillitis which you know 
Well, no, she didn't. But she's lie, a, she's lie. a whispery person anyway. Liv Tyler's father is uh, Aerosmith's frontman, Steve Tyler. And before making it big with Aerosmith, a teenage Steve Tyler was in another, bra- another band, which originally was called The Strangers. And the song Mama Tried, which is used in the film during a very intense scene, is credited to Merle Haggard and The Strangers. Okay. So that's The Strangers. Okay. Like a dummy, I suggested, why don't we watch the sequel? (laughs) It's the same writer. So I just, you know, well, it's written by Brian Bertino and Ben Katai, you know, based on the characters, whatever. It's a different director, Johannes Mm. Johannes Roberts. We are not going to go through the plot of this thing. Um, I just wanted to mention some things about it. The foremost of them being, don't watch this movie. <laughs> I mean, unless you're a Christina Hendricks completist or something, I, I don't. But you're going to be disappointed because she's only in the damn thing for like five minutes. But she's top billed, but she mm-hmm. dies at minute 34, I think. So Bailey Madison, <laughs> she spells her name with two E's. And then Lewis Pullman is the brother and he is bill pullman's kid oh he also played major 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 in the show catch 22 but guess what his mom's name is tamara (gasps) tamara herwitz she's a dancer and also christina hendricks and also martin henderson who was in the ring we did the ring on this podcast so if you missed it you can check back on that one and then damien maffey which i i guess is the man in the mask right Came out March 9th, 2008. Has a running time of 85 minutes. There is an unrated cut, um, but so that might be longer. If you do want to watch it, I would suggest skipping to an hour in. (laughs) I mean, otherwise, just go to, what is it called? Indie movie clips or something. You can just watch the Movie clips indie? Yeah. It's right there, all on YouTube. There are a number of references that I did want to talk about, though. This here's my question: <laughs> When you have this many references in a movie, is it your movie? Like, if it's not artful, like if it's done, like I feel like, like we were saying with inside of like you know, like the camera light. I mean, it makes sense for her to have a camera with flash on it. Yes. And her whole character is a photographer, and like that's incorporated to the setting of her home and and stuff like that, and even though it is something that's been done in a movie before, it feels fresh, you know? And I feel like there's other things people do in movies that make them feel fresh and not like something canned or like, like, you know, the sequel to Candyman, in my opinion, I think was very good because it obviously is a Candyman movie, but he, but Jordan Peele does not replicate the exact vibes of the first Candyman movie, but you know, it's, it very much feels a part like that it is a sequel to that original movie, but just kind of if you put it in in a way that feels clunky, if you, the viewer, were like, this feels clunky, then it was clunky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After Christina Hendricks is dispatched, when when the son and the father discover her body, there are bloody handprints all over the wall. They're very neat. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of reminded me of the Blair Witch Project. One part I liked was at the pool. That I thought was pretty good. 
I have to, okay, I have to tell you, I have to confess to you, Uh-oh. I think I forgot we were supposed to watch this movie and I didn't watch it. Oh, no. Okay, well, that's fine. Then you saved yourself so an hour and a half of your life. But I, when you mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, I was like, oh, oh, no. So I really would watch the clip of the pool. Okay. So what happens is Dollface is chasing after the sun. And he turns around, he grabs a, a golf club and he smacks her in the face and she's mm-hmm. knocked out. And then he kind of like a kind person, he's like, checks to see if she's okay. She's, you know, alive. And then, but then he stabs her, stabs the fuck out of her. And that's different. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah, he actually killed somebody. But then the man in the mask um, attacks him with an ax and gets him in a pool. And there's this huge, like, you know, this blood that kind of, you know, falls away from the kid. And that's really sad. He's alive. He survives, but it's a really great shot. And they also do this stuff where the, the killer and the boy are going in and out of the water and mm. the music, which is um, total eclipse of the heart, but it, you know, when they're under the water, it, it sounds like they're under the water. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah. That was really great. That's neat. So that, that one scene was um, pretty good. There's a part where, Kinsey, that's her name, the girl, is in the car, but she goes to, you know, turn the turn the ignition and she doesn't have the keys. And <gasps> Dollface taps on the window, shows her the keys. That's uh Scream. That's done in Scream. Also, when she asks her, Why are you doing this? Dollface says, Why not? Mm. Like funny games. <gasps> There's a part. Okay, so I guess, I don't know if it was the director. The director loves John Carpenter, like loves mm-hmm. him to death. So there's, a sh- what he really wanted to do was he wanted to do Christine. Mm-hmm. So at one point, the truck is set on fire. Somehow it still runs, like blazing, mm-hmm. you know, with all this fire. So that's the Christine reference. But then when he gets out of the truck to, you know, kill Kinsey, He's actually got a shard of glass in his in his abdomen. He pulls it out and he falls face down on the ground like Halloween 2. Ah. But I thought this was pretty egregious. At the end of the movie, somebody else in a pickup truck truck comes by and Bailey jumps into the truck and the killer jumps into the truck. Bailey, you know, hits him with a baseball bat that happens to be in the truck and then you know, it's just like chain, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that, that's pretty blatant. There's just like a ton of problems with this movie. There's just a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. People don't, you know, do things that make any sense. I was wondering if John Carpenter got royalties because the <laughs> score is so carpentery. It's yeah. just really, really crazy. I did like the thing with the sound. I did like the relationship between the brother and the sister. There's a jump scare, but it's in the trailer. So where Dollface says, but we've just started. And, you know, it's like, ah! And they did something with the sound because it's really loud. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. Um, I won't go through all the questions, but I'll tell you some trivia that I thought was interesting. Liv Tyler was going to be in the first scene, but then die. Um, (laughs) And... Mind if we kill you again? I like this. Members of the Horror Podcast Night of the Living Podcast 
can be seen sitting at a table in the background of the diner scene filmed at Fillmore's Dairy Hut. If any films want us to be in the background of your diner scene, we are available. Totally available. (laughs) I felt kind of bad about this part, but Pinup was recast in the middle of filming. The original actress said she felt too claustrophobic when she was inside the mask. And so she was sent home and her stunt double took her place. But they kind of ran out of time. And so she's barely seen in this movie at all. Oh, so that's why if you were a real stranger's head and you're wondering why she's hardly in the movie, where's all the pinup? <laughs> that's why. The one thing I was looking for. <laughs> also, people were a little upset with this movie because it's more of a slasher than a home invasion mm. movie. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know there can be like a Venn diagram of, of death, but you know, this really is more like a slasher. It's at a trailer park and mm. you know, so it's open and I don't know. And there's also this weird part of it is that no one, no one is there. It's the off season, but I find it just weird that like no other humans would be around, but yeah, it's very convenient for the plot, but it doesn't make any sense. So that's that. <laughs> Um, so yeah, spare yourself and don't watch it. Maybe watch the clips online. The the pool yeah, scene exactly. I, I will. I'll watch that one. So okay. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. Next time we will start our two parter on slashers. So if you want to watch along, we're gonna watch episodes one through four of Slasher Season Four and Lake Bodum for the first episode. And in the second episode, we'll finish out slasher season four which can only be viewed on shutter i believe mm-hmm. i mean unless you gotta if you have like shutter with amazon prime you can watch on prime but otherwise but hey you can get a shutter free seven day trial so i don't think it's it's too much to ask that you do that for us the, ep- <laughs> the episodes are about 45 minutes long each, and it's an amazing show you can see the first three seasons on netflix i do not recommend watching season one because it's really bad but two and three are amazing and you don't have to watch them in order. It's an anthology. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of cool to see the actors, you know, in different roles and different seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so in the part two of our two-parter, we're going to watch a movie called Dream Home from Hong Kong. Looks very good. So thanks so much for joining us on this episode. We really appreciate all your support. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, do that. Also, I wanted to do this thing that I stole from the BBC World Service. They call out your pin on the show. So if you want a shout out from us, just let us know who you are and where you are. And we'll give you a shout out next time. Yeah. And you can do that via email, via my Instagram, whatever. And remember, we love you. And don't go into the basement. <laughs>